Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Means that the number one pick in the 2021 NBA draft goes to the Detroit Pistons. Who's got the number one pick in this year's Detroit. draft? Who's got the number one pick in this year's draft? Basketball! Select Isaiah Stewart. The Detroit Pistons select Killian Hayes. Sadiq, that was absolutely sensational. I don't know what went into that process. I met the criteria to be selected, but I wasn't. From long range. Oh! Yes! Yes! Detroit Basketball! Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast. Brought to you by Bet Online and the Believe Podcast Network. Aaron Johnson and Jasper Apollonia joining us here today for the show. Jasper, my friend, the NBA draft over. The Pistons got their guy in, Kate Cunningham. How are you doing? Oh, man, I- I'm doing well. It was an interesting draft, wasn't it, for, for Troy Weaver and company? I know on our live show, we were discussing the Pistons going ahead and taking those three second round draft picks they had uh, potentially trading up into the first round, but they didn't do any of that. They actually just went ahead and took three guys in the second round. A lot of different opinions on those picks I've seen online, but the main thing was they took Cade Cunningham and any draft in which you take, Cade Cunningham, the best overall player, is an A draft for me. So, yeah, interesting, interesting draft for the Pistons. A couple of trades, a couple of qualifying offers being put out there. So, it's we're coming into free agency right now, and it's going to be a very, very interesting couple of weeks, I think. No doubt about it. Let's quickly run through our news of the week for the Pistons. Obviously, we just kind of hit on the draft in itself, but the Pistons come away with four prospects. Cade Cunningham with the first pick, and then their three second-round draft picks, Isaiah Livers out of Michigan, Luke Garza out of Iowa, and Balsa Balsa Koprivica out of Florida State. The Pistons then on Saturday waived Corey Joseph, Davidas Servitas, a former second-round pick, and then Tyler Cook to open up some roster space and clear some cap room before free agency begins on Monday. And dating back to the draft, the Pistons traded starting center Mason Plumley to the Charlotte Hornets along with the 37th pick in a salary dump move. They ended up getting the 57th pick, which they then spent on Koprovica. That's the Pistons news of the week. And now let's take a moment to talk about our sponsor of today's show, Bet Online. Bet Online has all the latest odds, news, and information for all your online sports betting needs. Visit the website today or use the mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That is a very generous welcome bonus. Not You're not going to get all the other betting avenues to give you that type of uh, bonus when you sign up. But before you do, so before, you, before the next tip-off, face-off, or first pitch, head on over to BetOnline and start playing today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. And the bets, the lines that we were sent this week, the gold medal odds for the men's basketball Olympic tournament, USA, the favorites at minus 300. Still, that's that's not the worst. I mean, 
probably the last Olympics and, and the prior years before that, they were they were at much uh, – the odds were not as f- close for USA and then second place, which is Australia at plus 800, Spain at plus 900, and then France at plus 1,100. Those are the top four, Luka Doncic and Slovenia at plus 1,800. But, yeah, I mean, this USA team probably the first time in a long time that you can really – you might really feel like they aren't the like for sure going to win gold. Like this team had its struggles in the exhibition exhibition game. So I don't know if you really have any thoughts on that Jasper that you wanted to add. Yeah. But I was going to say that minus 300 of course is, is very good considering it's a USA basketball team in the Olympics. They've only failed to win gold. I believe three times ever, uh, Non nonsense 2004, but they do have a really interesting matchup against Spain in the quarterfinals. Spain at plus 900. That if if Spain can get past the USA, and they do have some interesting matchup problems for for the United States, especially with their size. Like the thing we've really seen U.S. basketball struggle with has been rebounding and interior presence, and Spain has that. I don't know if Spain has necessarily the athletes or the skill on the perimeter to match up with the U S but if they can slow things down and they can control the paint might not be uh might not be the worst move in the world to, to put a couple bucks on Spain. If you want to hedge that USA bet. Yeah. We'll see how the rest of the Olympic go Olympics goes for USA basketball, the rest of these countries. I mean, it's, haven't been able to really watch because they're on Peacock and they're either at like 1 a.m. or you got to pay to watch them. So haven't really seen anything outside of a couple of the Mm. exhibition games. But we will now move into our first topic, going right back to the good stuff, the NBA draft. Kate Cunningham, the number one pick. It was reported on Thursday morning, about Thursday afternoon, around 1 o'clock-ish, that the Pistons had honed in on Kate Cunningham and finally cemented their decision to take him. It seemed like all of a formality when the Pistons were awarded the first pick when they won the lottery back on June 22nd, but the ride to get to July 29th with all of the trade talks, with all of the Jalen Green talk, the Pistons finally end up with Cade Cunningham. Jasper, just your initial reaction to that. Oh, man. Well, look, hey, the click farms needed to have some seeds planted in them. So it wasn't shocking to see. A lot of discussion around that number one pick possibly being traded, especially with Troy Weaver's, what's the word I'm looking for, reputation around the league, Trader Troy. Uh, <laughs> he's never been been shy about moving picks or players that seem destined to stay in Detroit. Uh, he did the exact same thing on the day of the draft with Mason Plumley, which was not a, a trade I think most people saw coming. But yeah, in the end, I was not surprised that they ended up sticking with Cade Cunningham because he's the best prospect in this draft. He's probably has the most upside and he's also probably the safest pick. So it made a lot of sense for Detroit to take him there. You know, I'm interested, Aaron, what you think about, though, what they did with the rest of their draft after Cade Cunningham, because they took three players in, in Livers, Garza and Kopravica that aren't none of them I think are locks to make this roster but all three could potentially 
fit a role on next year's team. Yeah, I, I'll be quite honest, and I, I've been plenty wrong with Troy Weaver so far, so more than okay with being wrong again with him, but I'm not sure I completely understand his second-round moves, and that starts with the Mason Plumley trade. Plumley only making $8 million a year. He had a very serviceable season starting in all 56 games that he played for the Pistons, averaged 10 and 9, like just was a good veteran presence to have. He was athletic. He could finish at the rim, was a, a solid pick and roll partner, an average, above average passer for a big as well. So to see him be used as a negative asset and having to trade back 20 spots in the draft, like I did not love that move. In a way, I almost would have rather just kept Mason Plumley uh, and kept the 37th pick rather than trade back for 57 to get off that cap space. But at the same time, with the corresponding moves that we've seen Troy Weaver make so far, it certainly seems like he's clearing cap space for maybe a bit of a more a bit more of a significant reason. Um, so we'll see what's going on there. But even like Luca Garza, I, I did not love that pick. I don't believe in him being able to defend at the NBA uh-huh. level. I see him just getting absolutely shredded in pick and rolls. Meanwhile, Pistons Twitter is like, oh, this guy could be the next Nikola Jokic. Yeah, he's not the best defender, but he can shoot the three balls. So we got that going on. Uh, there's that same kind of talk with Koprovica. Like, I, I've I've never seen a group that probably watched this guy maybe once when he played like Michigan and he got absolutely annihilated by Hunter Dickinson. I've never seen a group collectively like, again, maybe they've watched this guy play once or twice, come out and say, oh, this guy can, I could see why Troy Weaver took him. Like this guy's got all this great stuff. Look at him shoot in an empty gym. He was making three pointers. This guy made one three pointer in two seasons at Florida state. Sam Vicini of the athletic athletic is my draft guy that I, I read his stuff all year long. So I'm like staying in the loop on draft stuff. I don't, go I don't do a ton of draft research during the NBA season that's the one guy that I get my stuff from throughout the year he said that Koprovica was the only prospect outside of his top 100 he was 101st on Sam Bacini's big board to get drafted so everyone you know I, I get it like you're a fan you want to find a, a reason to get excited and this and that and there was a couple nice highlights of him uh, getting switched onto a guard and staying with him and blocking the shot and there's the empty gym shooting stuff that we see from every fringe to star NBA player every offseason. Shout out Andre uh, Drummond. Literally, like, you'd think Pistons fans would get over that, doing it with Andre Drummond for the last four or five years. But I'll digress from that. <laughs> Isaiah Livers at 42. I really think the Pistons could have gotten him at, like, 52, uh, maybe even 57. I don't hate the player, I just felt like it was a little bit early. I was really hoping they could have gotten BJ Boston from Kentucky. Like that's a guy I would have liked to have taken a flyer on. Was such a highly ranked prospect uh, coming into the college season. Obviously, did not have a great year at Kentucky, but there's a lot of guys that go to Kentucky and don't have a great season, and they still go to the draft and they still end up being something in the NBA. Like that's a guy I would have liked to have targeted. Um, but like if they would have gotten livers at 52, like I'd be like, Oh, that's a solid pick. I like it. I just feel like they took him a little bit early. That being said, I think he's due to be the guy out of the, those three second round picks that sticks in the league, the longest six, eight combo forward 
shoots the shoots the lights out of the basketball like he's just a prototypical role player in today's league so all in all i didn't love the second round for detroit i think you get an automatic pass on it because you drafted Cade Cunningham and you have a franchise piece. You have the, the franchise piece to move forward with. Uh, just didn't love the second round in a vacuum. We'll yeah. see what else is going to come along with it to see how it really ended up working out. Aaron, I feel somewhat similarly. I also liked the livers pick. Maybe you could have gotten him a little bit later, but I don't fault them for taking him at 42. He was a guy that had first round buzz coming into this year. And I think there's a good chance he would have gone in the first round. Had he been able to stay healthy, the guy can really, really shoot. He doesn't have much of a handle, but he's got good size and he can shoot. And for a second rounder, those are two skills that are very, very moldable into a, into a role player, especially if you're taking Cade Cunningham with your first overall pick and you have Killian Hayes already in the fold, you want guys who can shoot. You want guys who can finish at the rim, uh, which is partially why that, that Mason Plumley trade was a little strange in terms of the timing, especially since that 37th pick ended up being used on a player I really was looking at, the Pistons taking in JT Thor from Auburn. Uh, from Auburn. Um, yeah, the Garza pick to me, I'm like, it. look, I already saw Tyler Hansborough not play well in the NBA. I don't need to have another guy who's even slower than him to prove the same point twice. And when it comes to Koprovica, um, I did watch him play three times this year. I watched him play Syracuse. I watched him in the NCAA tournament. He has skills. He has good size. He does have some ability, but he's so, so inconsistent. The second game, I believe, where Syracuse played Florida State, he dominated the first half and then completely disappeared for the entire second half. Yes, he has the ability to finish at the rim. Yes, he can defend a little bit when it, when it comes to protecting that rim, can move a little bit on the perimeter, but not that much. For me, those last two picks seemed like like G League guys, if I'm being honest. And I don't see that much more upside for more. However, Cade is, is an A-plus pick. And Livers, I think, is, is an acceptable one at 42. So if you come out of any draft with two NBA players, I think you can be relatively happy. The weird thing, though, was, was really that Mason Plumley trade. And that, to me, I thought was was a trade that could have been made after draft night, you know, keep the 37th pick. Maybe then you trade next year's second rounder. I don't know, but it didn't really necessarily seem like a move that needed to be made right then, especially when you're looking at this free agent class, when it comes to centers. And I'm not quite sure that there's anyone out there that represents a clear cut upgrade over what Plumlee brought to the Pistons last year. Um, I think maybe Troy Weaver could have felt that there were other players that have more of a fit. We did see Plumlee uh, have the ball in his hands a lot last year. He played a very big role for the Pistons in terms of making plays on the perimeter, kind of playing as a, as a, um, as a passing outlet. 
But like, is there anyone that you see in, in free agency? And we've already heard a couple of names linked to the Pistons as free agents. Is there anyone that you see being a, a clear cut upgrade over Plumlee? And we're talking about guys like Nerlens Noel, Kelly Olynyk, uh, Cody Zeller, I believe, and Rashawn Holmes. And this is one that'll make you laugh, maybe. Uh, Andre Drummond will be a free agent this year. Who knows? Maybe he wants to come back to Detroit. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> um, yeah, that's the thing. Like, outside of Rashawn Holmes, who's probably going to command a decent amount of money and also is, like, the, the only starting level center in free agency, like, there's no one that is flat out better and will come at a cheaper price than Mason Plumley is under contract for. Like you're not going to spend big on Holmes because you have Isaiah Stewart and it really looks like he's your guy right now at the center spot. He's probably, you have four centers on your roster currently. And unfortunately I think he's probably the only NBA ready center on the roster out of those four, like Jaleel Okafor needed to be waived yesterday and as you mentioned, I am in agreement with you. Garza and Koprovica, at least year one, are probably both G League guys. Like, let's just be honest about that. At the end of the day, will they both be down there? Probably not. But should they be down there? Kind of like, should guys like Seku or Saban Lee at the beginning of last year been down there? Absolutely. Like, those are G League guys right off the bat, at least. And there's, the Pistons are still going to have to go out and get a, a fifth center it's so much like last off season and it's almost comedic that the pistons and their big man rotation is just always like in development but i I don't look at anyone in that in that free agency center position that that comes in and and provides more than mason Plumley does at eight million dollars like a veteran that has playoff experience has experience with this team with a lot of the guys that are going to be playing with big minutes next year, obviously had the chemistry with Jeremy Grant coming over from Denver, then had a season to play with guys like Sadiq Bay, got a little bit of time with Killian Hayes, albeit not too much. Um, You know, I just, I did not get that trade. I, I I could not believe that Mason Plumlee was actually negative value at $8 million per year. Um, yeah, especially he, he played well last year. That yeah. was the thing. He did not have a bad season by any means. He was basically a walking double-double, uh, and he could give you three and a half assists per game as well. So I, I think maybe one thing in this case, Aaron, he might not have been super comfortable being Isaiah Stewart's backup next year um, because I do think Stewart – and now it really appears with this trade that Stewart will be the starter next year. He'll probably be playing close to 30 minutes. And I'm not sure that Plumlee would have necessarily wanted that. I think if you go out there and you take somebody like Nerlens Noel, who I believe you could probably get on like a two year, $13 million contract. I don't think that would be out of, out of left field by any means. Somebody who, can play that backup center role who's going to be a plus defender for sure. I think probably a better defensive option than Plumlee. So I think from that aspect, I get it. But yeah, it is strange to think of Mason Plumlee after the season he had last year being a negative asset. Very strange. Very strange for me. 
let's kind of fully move into the free agency topic since we're, we're dancing around it. Let's fully get into it. Free agency starting on Monday for the Pistons, for the NBA. Uh, it's been reported by Mike Scotto of Hoopsite that a couple of these names that we've already mentioned, the Pistons do have interest in. Uh, Scotto reporting for Hoopsite that the Detroit Pistons are interested in both Kelly Olynyk and Nerlens Noel, two backup centers. I, I I like the idea of Nerlens Noel. Like, even though I don't necessarily agree with trading Plumlee, I do like the idea of Noel. He's athletic. He's a legitimate rim protector, bouncy big. Like, that would be an ideal replacement for him. He's also, like, a guy that is a backup that – Maybe Plumlee doesn't want to be a backup or wants to play more minutes, which is understandable. Noel really isn't a starter. At least he's not a starter on the Pistons with Isaiah Stewart there. Um, so I I probably like Noel more than I like Olenek, although Olenek was really solid in Houston last season. But I think that was a terrible team. Like It was. He put up good offensive numbers, but like I look at this roster and ugh, I just I don't. I don't want Kelly Olenek on it. I'm I guess, just being honest. Like, that's just not a guy I want. Yeah, I, I, I'd like him in the regular season because I think he, he could give you big minutes in the regular season. But I'm always focused on, are these guys actually going to be able to play for you in the playoffs? And I don't think you can get away with playing Olenek, whereas yeah. you'd be able to get away with playing Noel. Like, Noel is very much capable because he's just quicker. He's more athletic. Like, you don't necessarily need the shooting from Olenek you would prefer the defense because you're going to have enough offensive guys out there in the playoffs. And I, and I think also Noel, he proved last year with the Knicks that he can step into that starters role if needed. Yes. If, if, you know, Isaiah Stewart goes down and Nerlens Noel is your starter. I feel okay with that. If Kelly Olenek is my starter after Isaiah Stewart goes down, I'm starting to get worried because like you said, I don't think he's a guy that you can play in the playoffs. He's, going to be someone that that teams are going to pick on and yeah. you know what we just had a guy like that in Detroit last year for a couple months in Blake Griffin and it was terrible so yeah, yeah for me I don't like the Olenek I do think Rashawn Holmes probably wants a little too much and Noel to me looks like looks like a great fit I also wouldn't mind Cody Zeller but I do think he's probably, if you do get Cody Zeller, he's going to command something similar to what Mason Plumley got, which would be kind of silly to basically, you know, get Mason Plumley's contract off the book so you can sign Cody Zeller for longer. Oh, and you moved down 20 picks in the second round. Uh, that would be kind of, kind of a bad look for Troy Weaver and co. On the flip side, you know, they could roll with, Garza and Kopravica and, and Okafor and just keep all three, hopefully not. Uh, and Dwayne Casey was already talking about Jeremy Grant at the five lineups at the introductory press conference for Kate Cunningham mm. and the three second round picks. And that perked me up. I'm excited yeah. about the prospect of Jeremy Grant at the five lineup. So maybe they want to spend some money on another forward, uh, you know, a four guy that could compliment Grant in the front court. I'm not, entirely sure but maybe that's a possibility as well um i would be very happy if they were able to snag noel at a a reasonably reasonably priced contract i think he's solid backup again i don't want him starting long term but if he had to step in for stewart who had to miss a couple weeks or whatever with a foot injury whatever would certainly be intrigued by the prospect of that um 
the Pistons have some restricted free agents that they off, sent qualifying offers to. Hamadou Diallo, Frank Jackson, and Saban Lee. Detroit was $16.9 million in cap space, so essentially $17 million to work with. They can go over the cap to sign these guys because they have their bird rights, they're restricted, et cetera, et cetera. But let's start with Hamadou Diallo. Like, this is the most interesting free agent for the Pistons. I think that's probably pretty consensus. Like, Frank Jackson and Saban Lee are solid, but Diallo is certainly the probably the highest ceiling out of those guys. And his price range is probably the most varied. Like, is someone going to offer him $14 million Or is he going to get $8 million? I think he's somewhere probably in the middle of that. And I just – I'm kind of curious where you think – the line is for where, where the Pistons should should spend on him. Well, I think if you're spending, if someone signs him for over 14 million a year, uh, that's a little too rich for my taste because he's not going to be a starter next year, most likely. For me, I think something in that 10 to 12 million range, maybe I'll go to 13. I think that seems reasonable. He is a still very young. I believe his birthday was the other day like literally just a couple of days ago. Uh, he just turned 23. Um, super athletic. Played very well for Detroit on both ends of the floor, I thought. And obviously he's a Troy Weaver guy. Weaver's already said he's a piece that they see being a long-term asset for Detroit. So maybe they do go over $14 million for him. I don't know. But I'm also not so sure that the market for him is going to be all that high, considering there are very few teams with cap space. Uh, the Pistons at almost $17 million, I believe, have something like the sixth or seventh most cap space in the NBA, and that's not a particularly large number. So, yeah, I, I think Diallo is a guy that I would – I would definitely spend a little bit of money for, but I'm not breaking the bank for him. I think both Frank Jackson and Saban Lee, I'd be very surprised if they went anywhere either. They both really had a great opportunity in Detroit last year. They're still going to have opportunities in Detroit this year, especially now that Detroit has waived Corey Joseph, Tyler Cook, and big Dave Servetus, RIP. You know, there's there's really nothing standing in the way of either Frank Jackson or Saban Lee taking hold of those those backup point guard, shooting guard kind of spots and and really making them their own. So, yeah, I, I think the really if I'm Detroit right now, the move for me is go out, get someone like Nerlens Noel. Don't spend too much. Keep that cap space open for next year. Resign your restricted free agents. And then you're going into next season with a lot of continuity on your roster. You've shored up a lot of your holes. And after next season, you're going to still have enough money to not just resign the guys that you need to resign because the Pistons are going to be throwing out a lot of qualifying offers next year. I believe Stewart Bay and Killian Hayes um, all have team options next year as well as Sekou Demboya, but that's a different discussion. So, yeah, I, I think something like 12, four, 12 to 14 million, that's the most I'd go. Resign your guys, go out, get that backup center. And I think you're okay look, going into next season. And you just kind of let it play out how it will. If you're a playoff team, you're a playoff team, and that's great. And if you're not, oh, well, you're 
back in the lottery of one of the best draft classes since who knows next year's draft class could very easily be better than this year's draft class was. So I think they've made the right decisions here. It does the, I have to, before we get, I get back into you, Aaron, I have to say two years ago, that draft class now is, is pretty much a disaster. Uh, the Servetus pick, which they traded, I believe four second rounders for completely came to nothing. Seku Dumboya is very, very tenuous in terms of his roster spot. So yeah, that was, um, that was not Ed Stefanski's finest moment. It must be said. And if John Hollinger is listening right now, I know he's thrilled to hear me say that. So uh, that's an underrated storyline is just how hurt John Hollinger is by someone. <laughs> he hates, he hates the Pistons. He must've had an interview with Detroit and, I mean, maybe there's a connection with Ed Stefanski with them. Both. They, they were together in, in um, Memphis. Yeah. They so, were in the same front office. Like maybe there was a, you know, interview to come into the front office and he did not get it, but that guy hates the Pistons. <laughs> but getting back to Diallo, I, I'd say the highest I go is 12. Mm. I really want it. Would it want to go more than 10? But if he got a, a $12 sheet or a $12 million sheet from someone else, I'd match it. Mm-hmm. I like Diallo. Like he, he brings great energy is absolutely explosive, but he's a sub 30% three point shooter. He, you know, he's not going to be the starting two guard. So I'm just at this point in the rebuild, I don't know if I'm comfortable locking in a guy for four years and, you know, 50, 60 million when I just don't know if his long, if he has a long-term future with this team. And it brings me back to Josh Jackson is still on the roster. Yeah. He's not as good as Diallo, but he's only making $4 million. So he's making a lot less and he's still serviceable. Frank Jackson, you're going to get for a lot less than $12 million a year. And he did some great things coming off the bench and just being an absolute marksman for them. Like those are two guys that can play the backup two guard minutes. Um, and you can spend some, some money, you know, less money on someone else. I know that the Pistons still do need a backup wing outside of a Frank Jackson and Josh Jackson and, Diallo would certainly be the best out of those three players. Yeah. But I just don't know if I'd want to spend the money on him and and have that long term when it's not like this guy's going to be your starting two guard or your start your starting small forward. I think you're getting Frank Jackson back either way. Yeah. I, you you touched on on the Josh Jackson situation and I do think that's very relevant in this case because I don't trust him like I do Diallo on offense. I liked what I saw out of Josh Jackson at the beginning of the season, but towards the, you know, really like after two, three months of the regular season, he went back to doing a lot of the bad things that he did with Phoenix where he gets tunnel vision and he takes bad threes and he just loses focus and he gets in his own head. And like, I like, I really like Josh Jackson. I really want him to do well, but I would rather pay 
a little extra for Hamado Diallo. I do agree with you. I'm not trying to sign him to four years, 60 million. That's too rich for my tastes. But if I can get him for four years and 40 million, I'm okay with that. And I'm bringing back Frank Jackson. And then I can move on from Josh Jackson. I think for me, that is the move I would like. I see more upside with Diallo. And I trust him more offensively than I than I do Josh Jackson. I trust him way more defensively than I do Frank Jackson. So, yeah, I think for me, there's there's a couple of, of factors at play there. Also, and I brought up his name just a few minutes ago, Sekou Dumboya, you know, he's finally getting a real offseason. People forget, yeah, he didn't look very good last year, but he basically did not have any opportunity to practice with the team. He basically got no offseason. He basically he just went back to France and played basketball with his friends. So it'll be interesting to see how he comes along this year. If he can perhaps take a small leap and show that he's capable of being a backup four, backup five, maybe even. But other than that, I'm I'm pretty comfortable with with where the Pistons are at in terms of a free agency. And I do believe I might be mistaken. They might have another $5 million coming their way in free agent cap space. Um, if they do waive Rodney Magruder in, in a couple of days, if I'm not mistaken. Did he have to be waived by July 31st? I, no, I believe he's a, um, I believe he's like mid August, weirdly enough. Oh, he's the one that's August 15th. Yeah, August 15th, exactly. Okay. So yeah. they'll have another $5 million on top of that. You know, there's a difference between $17 million and $22 million. $22 million, you can you can work a little bit right there. And if you're going out and you're spending, let's say, $7 million of that on Nerland's Noel, and then you're putting the rest on your restricted free agents, to me, that makes sense. And you don't even have to go over the cap to re-sign anyone. Let, and, yeah. Let me just throw some other names out there because – they might be a little too rich or at least a couple of these guys might be a little bit too rich for the Pistons blood at this point, Mm. but just some other primarily threes that, because I think you can get away with Josh Jackson and Frank Jackson at the two guard spot, primarily backup threes. Maybe they can play the two guard spot. Mm. Some names that are free agents, Otto Porter, Jr. Duncan Robinson, Doug McDermott, Reggie Bullock, and then I'm going to throw Wayne Ellington in there as well because sure. there's I would like to see him back in Detroit if possible. Um, any of those guys you're willing to spend the money on you think are are worthwhile for Detroit? I think I think Reggie Bullock would not be the worst fit back in Detroit. I think that could work for me. Still a great shooter, really efficient, doesn't need the ball in his hands very much. So I think that's a guy that I could see. It'll be interesting – you know, you did talk about Diallo as, as the backup shooting guard. I think he could play the backup small forward, especially if we are talking about Jeremy Grant at the five, potentially. You'd almost have to. because Yeah, I could I, I could really see like a lineup to me, like uh, Jeremy Grant at the five, Kate Cunningham at the four, defensively wow, speaking. Okay, okay. Hamido Diallo at the three, and then you go with like Killian at the one and insert shooter here at the two. That's something that I would very much be interested in seeing because Kate Cunningham is a really underrated help side defender, especially when it comes to rim protection. 
kind of like Jeremy Grant in that sense. Um, so yeah, I could see somebody like if you went out and got a Reggie Bullock or Doug McDermott and you could play them with Hamadou Diallo or Josh Jackson on the wing, that would not be something I would be opposed to whatsoever, especially since I think both players are going to be pretty affordable in free agency. Bullock more so. I, I like his defense more than yeah. I like McDermott's. So I, I, I've seen a little bit of the, the Cade Cunningham four stuff. I'm not a 100% opposed to it, but I, I get he's listed at 220. He looks like he weighs like 200. Uh, against no, he, fours, that... he can do it, man. I'm telling you, I, I think he's got the enough strength, and I, I really do. Yeah, it's not something that I'd like. I think eventually, like, he absolutely can do it. I just don't know if it's going to be a, a right-away type thing. Mm. I'm not – certainly, though, I'm not opposed to trying it. Like, this is certainly a year for the Pistons to try all these different things because they don't – there's no pressure on them to get to the playoffs this this next season, even though I think they should. But out of those names, I'm kind of intrigued, and this is kind of crazy because this guy, mm. like, has fallen off the face of the earth since signing that massive deal like four oh, years ago. I know but what you're going to say. <laughs> I'm kind of intrigued by Otto Porter Jr. This is a guy. I, 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 yeah, I would like to hear why, because he looked really bad last year. Really bad. I, I think on a prove-it one-year contract, he's got an offseason to figure out his health issues. I am interested because he can play the, that – combo forward position like if you're signing him to a very cheap deal this was a player that was promising this was a player that was good and just his health has absolutely tanked we had the same issues with reggie jackson like this guy just could not stay healthy and that impacted his play but when he got healthy eventually like we saw how good he was with the clippers in an elevated role like he was so so good for them I'd really just if, – if there was minimal interest in him, I would throw him a one-year deal or a one-year and a team option deal and see what he's got because he's only 28 years old. It's not like this guy is 33. This is a guy that's still only 28. And when he was healthy, he was serviceable. was a good shooter, good size, ab- above-average defender. Like, if he can come give you 15, 18, 20 minutes a night, like – I am intrigued by the idea of Otto Porter Jr. Interesting. Well, you know, Aaron, I'm going to throw one more name out at you before we wrap things up here. Because Grant Afseth on Twitter has uh, reported that the Detroit Pistons are a team to watch as a potential suitor for. And this is a guy that in the playoffs I actually was thinking about as a potential Piston. Tim Hardaway Jr. from the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, Hardaway Jr. was fantastic in the playoffs last season. He has proven himself as a starting two guard in this league. He can really be like a third, second offensive option on a pretty good team. How do you, how would you feel about that? Because I, I think he has probably played himself into a, into an expensive contract. Um, but if it's out there, he is definitely somebody that, from a talent perspective would be a really good pickup for Detroit. I think. Yeah. At the right price point. I mean, absolutely. My concern is a, how much he's going to cost and B where he, I just don't, 
I don't think he's starting on this team. I don't think he should start at least. Like mm. he might be better right now than Killian Hayes or Sadiq Bay, but those are two development guys. Those are two long-term guys that need to be out there building chemistry with Kate Cunningham and developing with that group that is going to be the future of the Detroit Pistons. Like if Tim Hardaway Jr. is coming to be the six man, sign me up again at the right price point, but sign me up. I like the idea because the guy can shoot, the guy can score. If there was any injuries, like that's a guy that could step in at the, you know, either, either the two or the three and you could slide Kate Cunningham down if needed or whatever. Like that's a guy that could come in and, and, and help in that regard as well. But yeah, the price point and him being willing to come off the bench are two things that I am not fully sure of. I know he came off the bench a little bit last year in Dallas, but he's, he's kind of been doing that his for most of his career, other than when he was with those awful Knicks teams. Yeah, like in in, 20, in the 2019-2020 season, he started 58 of the 71 last year. He started 31 of the 70 that he played in. So he probably could come off the bench, but mm. last year was the first year in a while that he was doing that more so than him starting. I think that guard rotation with him, Killian, and Cunningham would be very interesting because then you could – if you if – you, do sign him and you play him at the two, three, whatever. I think he could come in there for 25, 28 minutes a game and really spell your guys for a moment where no matter who you have in the game, you're going to have an offensive threat at all times. So maybe he's in while Sadiq Bey is sitting. Maybe he's in while Kate Cunningham is sitting and Killian Hayes is playing the point guard. Maybe he's in when Killian Hayes is out and it's him, Cunningham and Sadiq Bey. So I think it would be a very, I'm sorry. What's his price point. Do you think? Yeah, that's, I think really where the biggest issue comes in there. Cause I can't see him signing for less than 17 million a year. Like I'd be shocked if he signed for less than that. I really expect something like, I don't know, like a three years, 60 million, something like that sounds probably closer to what he will command, which the Pistons could do when they, when they wave, um, when they wave Rodney McGruder, but does that necessarily make sense long-term when you still have that backup center role to fill, you still have to re-sign your free agents and next year, I think you still need to be looking ahead to potentially signing a player to a max contract. And yes, I, I really believe that it's, imperative to have that space still available to you so you don't have to trade another asset like mason plumley for negative assets if that makes sense yeah that is why i'm not fully in on the idea of spending all this money this year like the pistons very much need to be ready so that if a player demands a trade or if they can strike in free agency and it's an all-star level player yeah, they have the money to go out and do that because they can't afford to like not go after a big name just because they have a Sadiq Bay or Killian Hayes on the roster. Like, yes, ideally both those guys develop and turn into the players that we expect them to be. But if you have an opportunity to go get a proven all-star and secure him long-term to play yeah. with Cade Cunningham, 
you absolutely have to do it. So to put 15 million or 20 million into Diallo or Tim Hardway Jr. or 15 million into Rashawn Holmes, even like I'm not fully in on those ideas because I'd rather have the cap space. And I know Blake Griffin comes off the books next year and that's some extra money that they'll have to work with, but yeah, the Pistons have like like twenty million dollars guaranteed next year. It's it's yeah. kind of funny. They have almost nothing on the books. Yes, uh, guaranteed. So they do have flexibility in that sense. And we also know Tom Goris is not going to be shy about going over the cap if it means that the Pistons are going to win. However, to me, Tim Hardaway Jr. is a win now kind of player. Yeah. I'm not sure the Pistons are in win now mode, right? at this moment i think they're more in figure things out mode and then win next year yeah if they win this year it's a plus but yes you know it's it's not the expectation i think yeah it's like they they're gonna try absolutely but they don't need to try financially because they don't need to lock themselves into these contracts that they don't truly want which kind of looks like the situation with mason Plumley. That's the thing. It, it's shaping up like Detroit's getting set to make some sort of move because they're they're making all these moves to clear cap space. So mm. you have to think that maybe something is in the works here, and and maybe once they get to twenty two million in cap space after they wave Magruder in a couple of weeks. But the thing is, like you you think they would have just done it yesterday because free agency starts on Monday, so mm. you would think they'd want to have that cap space ready. But I don't know. It seems like something more than just typical is coming. Like, it seems like they are planning to spend some money somewhere. So I I guess we will wait and see on that. But Jasper, before we go here, anything else you want to add on free agency or our players, the NBA draft? I know we got summer league coming up next week, but we're going to have another pod, pretty quick turnaround for the next podcast. We'll have a podcast probably up before the, definitely before the weekend of next week. Um, Just kind of, going over whatever move the Pistons have made so far in free agency, previewing summer league, but anything you wanted to else add on what we discussed today? Yeah. Lastly, I think that we really put out some very common sense free agency ideas. The fact of the matter is Troy Weaver has like made a career already out of zigging while other people zag. And I would not be surprised to see him make another deal. I would not be surprised to see him do something completely out of left field. So I'm excited to, to see where we're at when we do record our next podcast, because it is going to come around really quickly. And something tells me we're going to have a lot to talk about. <laughs> yeah, no doubt about it. Troy Weaver is going to keep us talking, um, but very, very excited to see what happens in free agency to see how the rest of this team forms out because there's, Certainly some glaring needs. The backup positions are all of relative concern right now outside of like the two guard spot, because you're assuming they are going to bring back Frank Jackson and they'll have Josh Jackson, but like what's the backup point guard spot look like? Are they going to really lock themselves into Saban Lee? Do they trust Seku to be the backup for what are they going to do with all these centers, which is the same damn conversation we had last summer. So (laughs) a lot going on there. Free agency starts on Monday, so we will see right away what Troy Weaver has in store for this Detroit Piston team. Everyone, 
Thank you so much for listening to this week's edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast. Aaron Johnson and Jasper Apollonia signing off, and we will see you next time here on the Palace of Pistons podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.